0: Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirit to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come into flesh from God, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of Antichrist, which have you heard is coming and even now is already in the world. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us. But whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and spirit of falsehood. Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born from God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. And his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he is in us. He has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testify that father has sent his son to be savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the God's love, uh, on the love God has for us. God is love, whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete through us and so we have confidence on the day of judgment. This world, in this world we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God, yet hates his brother or sister, is a liar. For whoever does not love their sisters and brothers who have they, they seen, cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Everyone who loves God must love their brother and sister. This is the word of God for the people of God.
1: Thanks, please go. Thanks, mate. How's everyone doing? Good? You're going to do me a favor. You're going to turn to your neighbor. You're going to ask them, how are you doing? Yeah? You're just going to say, how are you doing? Right? And if you don't know them, you're going to ask... What is your name? And if you're a young person, you're going to leave right now to go to the youth uh, bus right now. So all those age 11 to 16 and 16 to 18, feel free to leave right now, and you can go out to the bus. And hopefully you have said hi to somebody you did not come with. Okay. So excited to have the privilege of doing the talk today. I'm, I'm always excited about what it is God has for us, and um, this verse uh, and chapter in the Bible is an incredible one, and there is so much in here. But I'm not going to actually start with, d- dive straight into to this chapter. I actually want us to go to Matthew chapter 24, and um, we're going to read from verses three to four. Matthew chapter 24, and verses three to four. Now. Uh, this in theology is called uh, the Oliver's Discourse. And this is when um, Jesus is asked by his disciples, what shall it be at the end of the age when things are being wrapped up? And so Jesus here is speaking. He says, um, as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. He says, tell us, they said, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? So the topic is, when, Jesus, are you going to come again? Because Jesus comes in two comings. The first coming has already happened, and there's one more coming to come. And so the disciples want to know, when are you going to come again? What are going to be the signs of the end of the age? Um, verses 4, Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. So as soon as we're talking about the end of age, the first thing Jesus says is, watch out that no one deceives you watch be alert don't go to sleep on this one why because in the last days there will be deception and so Jesus says guys watch out that no one deceives you then we're gonna jump to verses 24 of the same chapter he says for false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read stuff like this in the Bible, I just have to be like, hold on, pause for a second, right? He says that if possible, the elect. Now, This is a long debate um, theologically of who exactly is the elect. But let's just for, for, for the sake of this talk, just say the elect are those who are chosen by God to be his, divinely his. And he says that in the last days, there's going to be such prevalent deception that if possible, even those who are chosen to be his, set apart to be his, might be deceived by such deception. So Jesus is not talking about a simple lie that you can simply wake up and say, no, that's a blatant lie. We're talking about a well-crafted deception. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but when I read stuff like this, I'm like Jesus. like, If it's possible for even the elect to possibly be deceived, then how can I ensure that I'm not deceived? Is everybody with me? And I submit to you that as this was being spoken, there was a young man who was taking note around the ages of around 20 years old. This man was John. The same man who writes John, first letters of John, chapter 4, 60 years later. At the age of 80 and he starts John chapter 4 dear friends do not believe every spirit but test the spirits to see whether they are f- from God because many false prophets have gone out into the world does anybody see the similarities I submit to you that John 1 John chapter 4 is actually answering how to withstand deception. And as we go through today, my hope is that God is going to inspire all of us not to be easily deceived in times that are very deceptive according to Jesus' word and according to what the Bible says actually teaches is everybody here with me all right now let's go on so first thing John says is this he says he says test every spirit right now the first thing you must understand that John does in giving us a crash course in how not to be deceived is he moves the discussion from the natural realm to the spiritual realm he didn't say test every person He said, test every spirit. Every spirit. Behind deception and truth is always a spirit. In fact, Jesus says this in the Bible. He says, the words that I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. So they weren't just an intellectual argument. I submit to you that people sometimes who are easily deceived reduce things purely to a natural realm and they don't dare consider that there is another realm of existence. Man is a spirit. He has a soul, and he lives in a body. Huh? He's pseudo-psychosomatic. He is a spirit. He has a soul, and he lives in a body. Two-thirds of who you truly are, you cannot see. Your spirit and your soul. Yet, dare I say, 80 to 90% of our attention is always on what we can see. How well we are dressed, how well we are fed, how well we exercise, what we physically can see. But John says, if you don't want to be deceived, you need to learn to come up to a higher realm of the spirit and test spirits. Because behind every truth or deception is a spirit. And the other thing he says in this verse, which I hope you've noted, is test. There is a need to test things, church. We can't just embrace everything. Everything has to be tested. And it goes back to what Jesus says. He says, watch that you are not deceived. And here John is telling us how to watch. He's saying, Test things. Don't just accept them. And then he moves into, he transitions into gear and verses two to three. He says this. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from god and then he says something quite astonishing it says this is the spirit of the antichrist now this subject here is a is a very long subject um, that if we were actually to stop and talk on it would take us quite a few sundays to get through because the topic of the antichrist is actually a very very interesting topic Um, we actually see in the book of Revelations, which also John writes. And he's writing these letters before he's been uh, exiled into the island of Patmos, where he writes the book of Revelation. So that experience hasn't yet happened, right? But he already has an inkling, an understanding that there is a spirit at work in the earth that is called the Antichrist, spirit. And he says, every spirit that is of deception and is false has in, at its root this spirit called the Antichrist. So for me, I have to ask the question, what is the Antichrist spirit? Because if every deception at its root comes from this spirit, I got to know what it is if I don't want to be deceived. Everybody with me? Anybody else want to know what it is, right? Now, anti, every single time you say anti in English, anti-bullying, you means I'm against bullying, Right? So when we say anti-Christ, we mean against Christ. Are you with me? But there is something else going on here that you can only notice when you go back to the original Greek. That some of us miss. Because it's very easy for us to say, well, every spirit that's against Jesus is, 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 is deception. But if it's that easy, why is it even possible that the elect can be deceived? If it's that straightforward. All I have to notice is those things which are against Jesus, and I know what's false. Correct? Right? But anti in the Greek has two meanings. The primary one is against. The secondary one actually means instead of. So if we were to read that, rather than the antichrist, he would be The spirit of instead of Christ. Or a better way put, the alternative. Or even better, the counterfeit. The spirit of the antichrist counterfeits the genuine which is Christ. Now, I hope you're still with me. Trust me. But this is why John, at the age of 80, has to stop and put this in a letter. And say, guys, this is how you are not going to be deceived. Watch out for this spirit because it is a counterfeit to everything that Jesus is. So what did Jesus do? He brought the gospel of the good news of Christ Of the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. Everybody with me? Can I submit to you, there is a counterfeit righteousness. There is a counterfeit peace. And there is a counterfeit joy. Not everything that appears to look good is actually good there are counterfeits that exist so and john is saying counterfeit righteousness brings you to a state of moral exaltation without the need of jesus have you seen that somewhere in the world you can come to a state of being perfect without christ just eliminate jesus out of the picture oh counterfeit peace yes now, you see how this straightway presents a problem when we go and minister the gospel. Because we go to people and say, guys, Jesus is Lord. He can give you righteousness, right standing before God. He can give you peace and he can give you joy. And they look at you and say, what do you mean? I've got my righteousness. I just need a few hours of meditation. I've got peace. And they've got counterfeit joy. Now, here's where I, I sort of confess my sins because... Uh, me and my missus, when we got married, we um, we had the privilege of um, uh, of going to Thailand, and so we did a lot of stuff in Thailand. Um, it was and um, and one of the things that we did, we went to this market, and they had a lot of they, they had a lot of counterfeit goods, right? So uh, I, I I I I did my best to resist temptation, but I could not. There's this watch I've always wanted, right? But this watch is ridiculously expensive. Like I mean, it's in the grands, like two thousand grand or so. And I saw this watch in the counterfeit shops. And you know they're counterfeit, but it looked so real, guys. And I could not resist the temptation, right? I bought the watch. And I remember getting that watch and bringing it back to London and putting it on. I'm strutting down the street like, oh, yeah. Yeah? Because I thought I had been given a great deal right uh, i mean i didn't spend two thousand pounds i'm more like, like 30 quid <laughs> do you know what i mean but yeah i, I thought i'd g- been given a great deal and two weeks later i look at the watch and it's sort of turning color i'm like i didn't think this was part of the you know the 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 the, 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 the watch's you know attributes right and then three weeks or four weeks down the line one of the the the, the, the chain breaks And I needless to say, I do not have that watch anymore, right? But I promise you, if you had seen the watch in its prime, it looked exactly the same as the real copy. But the only way to know that it was a counterfeit was to try it on, right? And as I tried it on, I realized, no, this is a fake And you see, Christianity is filled with people who have tried different forms of peace, tried different forms to righteousness, tried different forms to joy, and they come to this conclusion. It doesn't last. It looks pretty on the tin, but it's not what it's selling. It is a counterfeit. And I'm here to submit to you, not everything that looks good is the genuine. Much and Do you know what the thing about John here is he speaks in absolutes. It's either you're in Christ or you're in the Antichrist. There's no in-between. And this is one of the challenges of Scripture. He speaks in absolutes. It's like you're either in this or in that. There is no in-between. Can I say something here? There's many things I could say right now that would raffle a lot of feathers. Because I could say a lot of things that a lot of Christians believe are godly and actually they're not. And I'm not going to mention them. Because I still want to be your friend. Right? (laughs) But what I am going to do is give you an example. Yeah? We're in a season where there's a lot of justice movements in the earth right now. Trying to bring justice and justice causes to things that have been done wrong in the past. But can I tell you something? Not every justice movement is of God you're going to say to me but i thought andrew god is a god of justice yes he is but is it counterfeit justice or is it godly justice you can't just get behind every wind of justice and you're going to say to me but andrew then if if it's not purely a subject matter how then can i know what is of god and what is of the antichrist how can i know the counterfeit this is what i've learned about justice Counterfeit justice always inspires bitterness and hatred in those who are pursuing it. They get angry seeking the justice. Godly justice always inspires mercy and forgiveness in those who pursue it. Is everybody hearing me? Hmm? So counterfeit justice is actually revenge masquerading as justice. Because it becomes the very thing it's trying to eradicate. So I want justice because there's bullies in the world. So I will become a bully to eliminate the bullies. Counterfeit. That's revenge masquerading as justice. It's not godly justice. And you see, and I'll just bring this home. This is why I'll give you an example of movement of justice that happened in the earth that was godly. Martin Luther King, the civil rights movement. Martin Luther King galvanized the community to seek for justice, but without sowing the seed of bitterness in those who were seeking that justice. Martin Luther King said, let us forgive those who have hurt us, and let us build a future of hope together. He sought for justice without the root of bitterness or vengeance. That is genuine justice, godly justice. Watch out for the counterfeits. Are you still my friend? Yeah, that's just one example. But why am I saying this? I'm saying this because we've got to be careful not to assume that everything that has God or goodness or righteousness or peace on the tin, is actually what it says it is. Remember the warning. If possible, even the elect can be deceived. All right, we're going to move on. And then it seems all of a sudden, as if John had something to eat he decides to take this chapter and decides, I'm just going to start talking about the love of God now. <laughs> and it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. How is it we started this chapter with how not to be deceived? Many false prophets have gone out. And all of a sudden, we are discussing the love of God. Like, this is confusing. Like, John, this is not coherent. It, it, it seems Disjointed. Are you just fitting this in because you're running out of time? Like, what's going on here? But actually, they are very linked. In fact, um, something that I've learned, do you know that government agents, right, when they are trying to learn how to spot a counterfeit, yeah, they actually spend more time studying the genuine than they do studying counterfeits. Because you can't study for every counterfeit that might exist. Because they come up. They're thieves that come up with new ways of doing it. So what they focus their attention on is can I focus on the genuine, consume myself with the genuine, so when a counterfeit comes, I will just recognize it. And you see, this is what John does in the chapter. He says, I am talking about how to withstand deception, but he says, I am going to make you focus on the one thing that cannot be counterfeited. And that is... The love of God. And just in case you're thinking that John chapter 4 is not in tracking with Matthew chapter 24, Jesus actually said in Matthew chapter 24, the chapter we started with, he actually says, in the last days, the love of many will grow cold. So John is tracking with Jesus, literally Matthew chapter 24. He's looking at all the issues. He's had time to grow up and to see all of this outplay. And he's distilling all these truths. And he realizes what Jesus was saying. That the answer not to be deceived was to make sure that you remain in love. Because love is the one thing that cannot be counterfeited by the enemy. The enemy cannot counterfeit love. And so John begins a discussion of love. And can I just say this? Like, John says some ridiculously ridiculous stuff in a good way. In that he makes statements that you sit there and you say, like, how in the world did you come up with this? And this could only have come from somebody who got the opportunity not only to walk with the Lord... But after many years of the Lord being away from him, and many years of raising up the new church, he had the opportunity to distill these truths. And he says some incredible things. I want us to look at some of them. He says in John chapter 4 and verses 7 to 8, he says this. He says, dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. He says, whoever does not love does not know God. And listen to the statement. Like, he just drops this and just moves on and leaves us to deal with the ramifications. He says, God is love. Now, it sounds pretty. Do you know what John has just did? John has just described the undescribable. Do you think you can articulate God? Do you think you can sum God up? Do you even have the words? If you would try, you would spend an eternity. The Bible teaches that every other second, there's angels who've been there for eternities since eternity, shouting holy because they see something new in God. And they can't believe it. Like, holy, oh, did you see that? Angel Michael, holy, oh my gosh, I've never seen that. How long have we been at this point? Since, I don't know, a couple of ages. But holy, oh my gosh. Because God is indescribable. He's consistently, something in him is consistently new. Because he's a creator. And John manages to describe him with one phrase. God is love. God does not give love, he does not have love, God is love. In fact, when you look it up in the English dictionary and you try to look up the word love, it should simply say God. God is love. And, and just to, because I don't have much time to spend here, but love is not a concept. Love is not an ideology. Love is not an act. Love is not an emotion. Love is not even an epiphany. A euphoric moment of exhilaration. Love is God. Every single time you are loving somebody genuinely, You are invoking God's presence. Did you hear what I said? Every single time when we say God is here, we're saying love is here. But also this presents a challenge because now everything that God is, it means love is. So when we say God is omnipotent or powerful, guess what love is? So powerful When we say God is omnipresent, guess what love is? It's omnipresent. It's everywhere. When we say God is omniscient, all-knowing, guess what love, true love is? Imagine standing before somebody who knows everything about you is fully, pow- is fully powerful. Can, In every moment, can be in every cell of your being at the same time. And truly wants you and knows you. That is the presence of standing before love. God is love. And John is pointing us to love because he's saying, focus on love. Then you will know the counterfeits. Because all the counterfeits don't have this thing. They don't have love. And that's, example, counterfeit justice. And true justice, at its heart and root, anything that is of God will always have true love in it. Okay, I, I, want, us to, I want us to give us some time to respond to words. So I'm just going to finish off with this. The question becomes for me, how then do I experience this love? Isn't it? Wouldn't that be the question? Because if this is the key to not being deceived, then I've got to experience the love of God like crazy. In fact, Paul says, be rooted and grounded in love. John says something passingly in verses 9 to 10. He says this. He says, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifices for our sins. So John talks about God is love, and straight away after talking about God is love, he points us to the cross. The key to God's love in your life is the cross. Because the cross is where love begins for all believers. When we realize that, and John says this later on, that it's God who first loved us. And where does that happen? It happens at the cross. And when you have your eyes focused on the cross, something begins to happen. In fact, I've found that many times when the love of God is waning in my life and I don't feel the love of God and I'm feeling like, God, I need an increase, a dosage of more of your love. I just feel like I'm, I'm, I'm just, yeah, I'm just confused. I'm all these things. When I turn my heart to the cross, All of a sudden, it's like I'm reminded of the God. I want to say this. If you were to ask God, prove to me you love me, what's the thing you'd ask for? It's a very interesting question, isn't it? If you wanted to say to the, the one who created the universe... Prove to me that you love me. What would you ask for? Ask your neighbor very quickly. Just say, what, what would you ask for? Somebody's probably going to say a million quid. I'm joking, about. ask God. If you, were to, <laughs> if you wanted to ask God, prove to me that you love me, what, 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 what do you think you'd ask for? This is a very interesting question, isn't it? I, mean, I remember one time I asked this question, and, and I was blown away by the answer and the response I got from the Holy Spirit. I want to submit to you something that when Jesus became a man, he took off being God for a moment. He did everything as a man. That means it is possible that Jesus could have been tempted and sinned. You are, cannot be tempted if you do not have the potential to sin. Does that make any sense? If Jesus had been tempted and sinned, he would have died and never rose again. The Trinity would have been split. Jesus put being God on the line for you. If you were to ask me, ask God of anything, I would say, if you really love me, put being God on the line for me. Be willing to give up being God. And that's what Jesus did on the cross. Because if he had even sinned in thought or action, he would have died in that grave and never rose again. What qualified God to raise him from the dead was because he was actually sinless. This is the cross. When we meditate and look at the cross, the love of God for us, for me, for you, it begins to overwhelm you. Because on the cross, God gives everything and says, this is how much I love you. And he doesn't do it when you're perfect. The Bible says this. While yet you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. So Christ didn't die for you in your perfection. He looked at you at your worst and said, that's when I'm going to give my life for you. At your worst. That's when I will die for you. And this is the power of Holy Communion. Every single time we participate in, in Holy Communion, we focus on the cross, on the love. That this act represents. And do you know what in in, in the church, they actually used to call it something, Holy Communion used to be called something. Do you know what it used to be called? According to Jude 12, it used to be called the love feast. What we now call Holy Communion was called the love feast. Because as we focus on the cross, as we remember what he did for us on the cross, the love of Jesus flows the love of God flows and Satan can't counterfeit this that's why the Antichrist must deny that Jesus Christ have existed that's why the Antichrist spirit must deny sin why because sin makes you need a savior and if you need a savior you have to look for that savior and it causes you to turn to the cross And so the counterfeit spirit always is trying to say negate Jesus push him out of the way and God is saying when you look at the cross, love begins to flow and you begin to experience the one thing that Satan cannot counterfeit. And my prayer is that as we begin to do that, we become the people that cannot be deceived. And somebody said amen. Can we all stand up? I want us to respond. the word John later on says this there is no fear in love but perfect love drives out fear can we just close our eyes I want to ask you a question. Where are you afraid? Because wherever you're afraid and you find fear, love is not there. I just want to give us a moment. Just you can feel free to even ask the Holy Spirit and say, where am I afraid? If the Holy Spirit highlights somewhere where you feel afraid. Maybe because of something you did. Maybe of something you didn't do. Maybe it's something that happened in your past. God is saying, I don't want you to be afraid. I am love. Other thing I want you to do is to imagine who you would be if you had no fear in your life. Nothing could make you afraid. You weren't afraid of death. You weren't afraid of losing your job. You weren't afraid of paying the bills. What we're going to do we're just going to respond to this and if you're here and you want more of God's love in those areas where maybe you have felt afraid maybe you've felt inadequate maybe you've even felt the fear of punishment maybe you think God wants to punish you for something I want us to respond by if we can we've made this tradition just by coming out to the front and I just believe that God is going to flood so many of us with his love so I just want to encourage everyone who feels like that. I want more of God's love. In fact, I'll be standing up here myself if I could. Um, but if you feel like I want more of God's love in my life, I want fear to be destroyed in my heart. I just want you to feel free to step out of your seat and come to the front. And we're going to we're gonna pray with you and we're going to release God's love. not sure if there's anybody in the worship team here, but we, if you could just jump on an instrument or something like that. you want more of God's love and you want to sense his love he's going to come out as when you come out he's going to put your hands out in front of you it's there's no magic in putting your hands out in front of you it's just a posture of receiving it's saying Jesus I'm open I'm open for your love I'm open for your love I'm, I'm open to experience you going to focus on Jesus and you know what I want you to do all those who are here and all even those who are still in your seats I want you just to look at the cross just see Jesus on the cross with the eyes of your imagination I just want you to see Jesus dripping with blood scarred in agony and pain and if it was just you, he would have paid the awesome price of dying to redeem you. And if we can have people who if you know how to pray and as you've learned, please do come and help us pray with some of these people. I'm just, gonna, I'm just gonna release the love of God over them and just say more, just speak the love of God. this is for all those who are still in the congregation as well this is for you as well it's an opportunity to receive more of God's love we can never have enough of God's love thanks a lot thank you to those of you who are coming forward to help pray the rest of us we're going to sing a song